As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Fan Bros. The show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, Internets? This is Chico Leo here with a brand new Fan Bros special delivery. And I'm flying high above the Brooklyn night with... Your main man, Illawasi. That's right. So uh, for the second uh, week in a row, uh, the second week of True Detective, I got Illawasi as my wingman. And... Um, yeah, so spoiler alerts before we get into anything. Uh, there's a big spoiler at the end of this episode of True Detective, and we're going to definitely talk about it. Um, so what what did you think now that you've had two episodes to sort of slide into it? I actually went back and rewatched the first episode, and um, it actually helped, you know gave me a clear understanding of what was going on. With that episode and appreciation, you know, more of an appreciation for what was happening. With this episode, I really thought it it kind of found its footing a little bit more, you know. Um, and I really, really liked the little twist ending, I'll call it. Right. But um, what did you think about the happenings? Did you really kind of find yourself enjoying it more or are you still kind of thinking about the first season? No, I, I, I definitely shut the first season off even before the first episode. And so... I kind of knew going in, like, you just can't compare it to the first season. That was lightning in a bottle. And I felt after the first episode, yeah, this is an above average, you know, cops, corruption, and sex, you called it last week, which is, you know, about right. And, um, you know, we got more of it. We got a little more character stuff. And there was uh, a big unexpected development. I don't know if this is the influence of Game of Thrones, but they killed off what was, you know, seemingly one of the main characters in Colin Farrell. Now, do you really think he's dead? I mean, he, t you know, he took two shotgun blasts. Now, if there was rock salt in there, you know, I mean, <laughs> maybe, you know, which some people do. 
then maybe, you know, he's not dead. But the second one was like point blank. I mean, that would have just ripped all his guts open. You know, I would I would imagine um, if there was rock salt in it and or he was wearing a vest. I, I took it that that he was dead and that, you know, that was they were upping the ante. But, um, you know, maybe maybe he's not. What what did you think? I mean, I definitely thought, you know, when the show ended, yeah, the, you know, Colin Farrell's dead. He's he's out. When it happened, I thought, this is fucking awesome. I hope right. he's dead. You know, but then you know, I, I've really he's been the main character with the most meat, you know, that I've right. enjoyed the most and enjoyed seeing his interactions. So for him to, you know, be gone this early on would really be a detriment to the rest of the season. Um, right. Because none of the other characters are really that interesting. Uh, I mean, slightly, you know, Taylor Kish's character is, has some little stuff going on. And Rachel McAdams' character is kind of annoying for the most part. But I liked her play with Vaccaro in this episode. So it really made me more interested in learning more about her as he learned about her, you know, and their little banter. So for him to die this soon, that would, um, well, I think it would have been a cool development. I mean, if they had developed him more, you know, if this is like episode four or something or six or something down you know, a little further, I think it would have been a great twist, you know, to really make you care about him and then take him out. So I think to kill him off this early on is an even better move, but I think it's wasted potential if it really sticks. Well, yeah, I, I agree that, that Vaccaro, Colin Farrell's uh, somewhat corrupt detective, was the most interesting character. Now, not to compare it too much to the first season, but it's clear this episode opened up with like a crazy monologue of um I, i'm not sure his character's name but uh um, frank simeon yeah frank simeon lying in bed looking up at the ceiling talking to his wife and i feel like if that was matthew mcconaughey or woody harrelson in the first season it would have been really dope it just wasn't that compelling and it was like a five minute just straight on monologue of this guy talking about you know an incident from his youth with his drunk father who locked him in a basement? Um, I, yeah, I I'm disappointed by both uh, so far. The lack of interesting stuff going on with Taylor Kitsch's character and Rachel McAdams' character. Um, I've seen I mean, Taylor Kitsch in a couple of things, and I've seen him be dope, even if in like that subtle sort of smoldering way. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot more on the table still with his character. One one would hope. I mean, I have to be honest, um, his Frank's monologue, I, I just kind of like zoned out, you know, I was right. like, what the fuck is he talking about? Uh, and then I kind of caught back in toward the tail end of it, you know, as he was bringing it back around to the water stain on the ceiling. Right. I think that what's happened is McConaughey's character, Rust, was so different, existential, and, you know, always with the ph philosophical meanderings and, you know, monologues. And I think that um, Vince Vaughn's character is supposed to inhabit that. So often he'll say these um, these statements that are self self referential, you know, right. I'm a diminished man and all this other shit. And it's like to make him seem more than what he is, you know, instead of him just playing it straight as a, a gangster, um, which is essentially what he is at heart. Right. You know? No, he's he's definitely one of these political fixer types, and his story has become more clear. He went all in on this Central Valley Rail thing, and the the mur man who got murdered, the victim that the three detectives are you know looking into, had his five million dollars, which was all his life savings and all his liquefied assets. 
but he hadn't to put it on paper. So this guy's, you know, his whole everything he ever owned is all tied up in this deal, and the guy is dead, and it's a corrupt deal. So this is, I mean, he's pretty much in the worst place he could be in. Um, and then each of the detectives is in there in each of their own kind of hells, uh, looking into it. You know, we definitely got a little more of these sort of weird Central Valley characters. I mean, in some ways, this this show is almost like Grand Theft Auto Five. Um, <laughs> you know, when when you went out into the sort of weird, you know, valley stuff outside of L.A. Um, where you know Franklin lived and all that, and you had like these these weird characters, including the dude who shot uh, Colin Farrell's character, who showed up wearing some kind of you know crow mask or crow something. mask or something exactly. So I I mean I'm into it. I you know there's no way that it's fair to compare the two because like I said, even if this one was as good as the other one, expectations were so high that y- you wouldn't even feel like it was as good. So you know, uh, well I like it. I'm into it because I enjoy detective stories, horror, yes, world, me too, mysteries me and too. things of that nature. So yeah. the fact that it's it's really kind of telling that tale um, in a modern modern setting you know i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying the the mystery kind of even more so in this episode as we kind of learn more of the details um so i think it kind of got over over that rough patch of the opening episode opening scene uh opening episode yeah but and it's you know it's better now it's finding its footing so if the mystery unfolds in a pretty good way then you know i think this one could this season could really be pretty decent yeah, I mean, I like I like you. I, I definitely enjoy sort of noir, hard boiled stuff, and I'm enjoying where it's going. It's not going to be the ten or nine out of ten that the last season was, but you know, for above average stuff, and like you said last week, you know, you compared it to an onion potentially. You know, as each layer comes off, as they dig deeper into the corruption. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, a simmering, slower Chinatown or something. You know, one of those classic movies. One thing that I wanted to point out was, um, like last season, every episode is has the same director. And this is Justin Lin, who, if I'm not mistaken, did um, all or most of the Fast, Fast and, and the Furious, Furious movies. So, and... You know, we talk about, you know, representation both behind and in front of the camera. And last season was an Asian-American man directed all the episodes. This season... Harry Fujinakawa, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And this season, the same on True Detective. And the other two shows we're going to talk about, one of the showrunners is, you know, an African-American woman. And the other one is a Middle Eastern-American man. So, I mean, things are slowly you know changing behind the camera as well as in front of the camera and that's not even why we're talking about those shows it's just a random selection of shows that we think are dope and have you know you know it's not a white guy behind the camera every time but yeah so that leads us into power and everybody's favorite hapless drug dealers ghost and tommy um, you're the only person I can trust is the name of this episode. And what'd you think? I thought it was another solid showing. Um, I think they've done a pretty good job so far this season in terms of making the story interesting 
and really compelling. You know, I, I got to give it to him. I mean, I still I can't really call this an A level show, but I, I give it a B. I mean, maybe a B plus because I think everybody's really into it. You know, they really are. They're telling this tale and they know what they are and they know what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. So I, I really kind of like how, the, you know, they dove into it, made, you know, forward motion in terms of things with Ghost and Kanan. We now know why Kanan has a hard on for Ghost and why. Right. Well, know. we know that uh, Ghost and Notorious character, yeah, that Ghost and Tasha did something that put Kanan in jail. And now Kanan knows and they suspect Kanan, which I got to say, I'm really glad about. Um in some ways, Ghost is a less compelling dude to root for this season, but he's a better gangster. In the first season, he, you know, he was like a, a gangster who wanted to go straight and take care of his family and all this, and you definitely wanted to root for him, but he also was being played by everybody. I mean, everybody left and right was was, you know, playing him and he didn't seem to realize it. And now, as he's sort of discovering more and has more information and more agency, he's also like, you know, not going straight. You know, he's left, you know, he's been kicked out, you know, by his family as of this episode or, by, or of his wife, you know, for spending the weekend with Angela. So, you know, in some ways, Ghost is a much doper character, Ghost, Ghost but in this. some ways, not so dope. Ghost is the stupidest slick motherfucker ever. Right. I mean, that's the problem. It's like he's supposed to be the ghost, the mystery man, the mastermind, but then he always does dumb shit. You know, the way his wife busted him was some dumb shit. Right. right. And, and that's constantly it. You know, so it's it's hard for me to root for Ghost. I mean, I just kind of want to see what happens. You know, what kind of uh, nonsense he winds up in next. Right. Because he's, you know, getting twisted and turned by Kanan, by Samuel Stern. So it's always something going on with Ghost. Uh, Tommy, you know. Well, he knows Kanan, or he's pretty sure about Kanan. And I think yeah, he, he's going to discover pretty soon that Samuel Stern is trying to dangle him, you know, and just make him not succeed enough to never get his club back. And he'll turn the tables on him. But, um, no, I mean, I know what you mean. Uh, you know, I mean, in some oh, ways, yeah. Ghost, Ghost is, is like James win. Bond. You know, he's courteous and, uh, you know, uh, smooth at first. But if he needs to, he'll shoot you in the face. Well, what I would like for them to do is really show more of that aggressive side of his character. More right. take charge, a little bit more cunning, you know, a little smarter. Um, well, being he, getting ahead of the game for once instead of so far the entire both first and second season, all we've seen is Ghost and Tommy react to other events, and until they can take the you know reins of the horse, you know they're they're always going to be one step behind, and you know at no point has Ghost ever been calling the shots and i think we're getting closer to that and we'll see what happens when he's actually on something resembling equal footing with Kanan well Kanan i mean is just executing his plan you know perfectly right. but i think this is the first time we see Ghost revealing that he's suspicious or that he's on to Kanan and he right. knows that he's up to something and he's trying to you know start being more proactive in his movements um, you know, allowing Kanan to take over the Rollers drug, you know, the um, that territory. So it in in turn gives Kanan what he wants, but it's still allowing Ghost to kind of keep a watchful eye on him. Uh, I still think the 
the two weakest links of the show are Holly and the most disappointing thing of this episode was Lala's titties. Right, so. right. <laughs> um, that was I saw Charlemagne. Uh, that was the that was the big draw for some people uh, on, on tonight's episode. Um, wait, what was the first thing you said? Oh, Holly, the girlfriend. Yeah, no, Tommy. yeah, yeah. Holly, Holly is. I mean, she's ridiculous. I mean. She, unless they reveal that she's some kind of under undercover, you know, FBI agent working for another agency or something. No, no, right she's now she's crazy. Mean, you know, well, they have her. They have her in custody. Uh, that's what's going to be the next episode. You know, right, right, I right, think right. She's going to be the reason. She's going to be the reason they find out that Tommy isn't ghost. You know, right. I could just see them saying something like, "We know Tommy is ghost," or da da. And they're like, "She's like Tommy isn't ghost." Right. So either something like that is going to happen. Or, because um, I don't think she's going to finger Jamie. I don't think she's going to you know, finger no, Jamie St. Patrick right no, at the top. No. But I think she's going to at least establish If this that was Tommy... the season finale, maybe, but no. Yeah, I mean, um, yes, I, I agree. I mean, she's ridiculous and not coming from any kind of place of, like, you know, would anyone who's not on Scandal do that? You know what I mean? Like, she's definitely on another show, but... Um, yeah, and and uh, just shout out to uh, we had uh, this week Chillster on Twitter. Uh, he called it um, that uh, Tommy might be fucking his mom, and uh, and uh, Angela or somebody definitely made some reference to it this week. So props oh, well, to he, Chillster. It was I about it, you know, him go mom, dating redheads. He likes redheads like his mom. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, these crazy but last kids. week there was, or or two weeks ago, there was definitely some weird stuff with Tommy and his mom doing coke together, and you know, using a lot of foul language together, and they just it was a little it was a little disconcerting on some level. And he's obviously messed up, you know. Oh yeah, Tommy's so, fucked in the head. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that's another thing, like how Ghost is just blind, like been blinded to Kanan all along and blind to how, what a detriment, you know, Tommy is. Although he seems to start this episode, he seems to start realizing that, you know, I mean, you're Ghost, only as strong Ghost, as your weakest link. Ghost is just a walking, smarten up Nas PSA. That's right. really all he is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see where he's at at the end of this season. And the other thing is the his picture came across the AUSA, you know, the district attorney, the, the, their desk. So he's now legitimately, if not in their primary sites, in their peripheral sites. And that's not that's, where he wants to be. Yeah, but that's only in relation to Tommy having a, a partial ownership in truth. Um, right, but that's enough to they'll they'll take a look at you. They're trying to get Tommy, and so they'll look at everyone who's associated with him, everyone who's you know um, done business with him, everyone who he owes money, like all that. People get audited. People have you know, yeah, they 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 put a microscope up your ass in those situations when they want to take someone down. They don't care what about the collateral damage. Yeah, no, I think they're going to lean on him. I think that, uh, I mean, like, this episode really seeded a lot of things to come. You know, with uh, Ghost making a move to try to get rid of Holly and her not taking that ticket, and now she's in with the feds. I think Angela's going to alert him to the fact that, you know, we took in Tommy's girlfriend, and so Ghost is going to have to kill her. Which, right. of course, 
lead to Ghost and Tommy having issues if Tommy have, you know, or it's going to be one of those things where they say, really going to dangle it where um, Tommy isn't going to know that Ghost right. killed her. And that's going to be one of the things that plays out later. Well, I, I was actually thinking, I mean, she got into his car knowing they had a meeting or whatever. Like, I was thinking that they were going to show that she had recorded the whole conversation and she was going to dangle that over Ghost's head or she was just going to straight up play it for Tommy. But we'll see. I mean, maybe not. I mean, she's obviously some kind of operator. So, you know, taping the conversation might be a no-brainer. But... um yeah, I mean, people don't watch Power for uh, for the brains. Um, so, yeah, you're the only person I can trust. Um, I assume that's a reference to Angela and uh, Ghost or, you know, Jamie nah, telling Ghost each other Tasha. a little more. It's Ghost and Tasha. When oh, I guess that's true. Thing. You're right, because he does say exactly. So, Tasha is his consigliere. You're right. I, uh, you know, because he actually didn't really break down anything for Angela. He just got more information out of her. I mean, Ghost is just in that weird position because Tasha is his, you know, if he were a pimp, Tasha would be his bottom bitch. Right. You know, she's, she's the one who knows all the dirt, who has all the information. She's his partner in crime. The problem is that she loves him, you know, and right. in his own way, he loves her. So, their relationship is what fucks up their business. Right. You know, um, well, they say we'll don't don't happens. shit where you eat, and uh, you know this is another you know translation of that. Yeah, don't skeet where you eat. Yeah. yeah. So uh, last but not least, this week was the premiere of Mr. Robot. Um, we mentioned it last week. You said you really liked it up till the end. Um, I didn't want to get into that last week because it hadn't premiered yet, and I feel like there might be people, you know, people hadn't watched it yet. What did you, uh, what did you mean? Um, well, Mr. Robot, I think is a, it has a great concept. You know, it really finally shows hacking in a more legitimate light. You know, where it's not like some tracking shot into a computer as things get all digital. You know, it just right, shows right. that it's people sitting at a desktop, you know, at a keyboard typing at some keys. You know, but um, it really. In the central character, what is his name? Ethan or Elliot? Elliot, I think is his Elliot. Name. Yep, Elliot. I, I think the way that they really spend so much time, um, kind of slowly developing his character and unraveling him, you really feel a real quick closeness to him and his kind of nihilistic outlook on things. But you really are able to get into his head, and so that makes everything else so much greater. You know, as you learn about his associates, uh, the coworker, the the female, and then his yep. gay boss. Yep. Um, who for whatever reason reveals that he's gay yeah, on the airline yeah. with him. I don't know, that was kinda awkward. Yeah. But you know, the the meeting Christian Slater is kinda like the weird thing because Christian Slater pops up as the titular Mr. Robot. You know, he's the head of a hacker organization which Elliot wants to be a part of, um, after he discovers that they've uh fuck with evil corporations uh, service. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. System. Um, so from that, you know, we kind of go ahead, you know, dive right into the end where the evil corporation basically offers. It looks like they're going to offer him a job. Right. But 
the guy from the evil corporation saw Elliot switch out the folder when he was actually going to turn in the Mr. Robot people and then they fired his friend and then he switched out the envelope with a different envelope and the mis- the evil corporation guy saw that and like his eyes narrowed and like the last shot was a shot of him so yeah they are probably going to offer him some kind of job but they also that dude might suspect him um I mean, it's definitely an extremely stylish show brought to you by David Fincher, who was the executive producer. And it really looked like, I mean, it, you could tell it was the guy who directed Gone Girl and directed the first couple of episodes of House of Cards and um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and even the Facebook movie. They have this very just like the filters that his cinematographer yeah. uses and the way, you know, the color palette. Um, I mean, and I thought it it used the uh, um, New York locations really, really well. Um, I mean, that was something that I really got on the strain for. I recently saw the Punisher War Zone, and it was Vancouver doubling as New York, and it just that really bothers me. And I just thought they used the locations really well in this. Like, I really felt like I was in New York, you know. Um. So yeah, well, I'm sorry. You were gonna say. I mean, yeah, you can speak to New York better than I can. That's true. Well, you've but, been uh, here, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, I just think that uh, I don't know. I, I like you know how how they developed Elliot. You know, and, yeah. Yo, you said there, it. You there, get in his head. You know, there were that. a lot of there. Uh, there have been a lot of kind of uh, preliminary comparisons to Fight Club, and I I don't think that's accurate at all. I don't right. really think this is anything like Fight Club. You know, no. Um, I think they both have a narrator, a protagonist who's a narrator and talking to the the audience. But that's and they're both, you know, David Fincher. But I, I agree with you. I don't you know, I mean, we'll see. But I don't I don't think that's an apt uh, comparison. I think the second episode is going to be really telling because that's going to really, you know, give us um, an idea of which direction they're going to take the show, you know, because they really open a big bat can of worms. With uh, the hacking job that the Mr. Robot crew pulls off and then, you know, Elliot's role in it. So right. it's really going to be, you know, is he going to become like a, a double agent, you know, kind of infiltrating Mr. Robot? Or is he going to be trying to take down Evil Corporation? You know, which way is it going to go? So it really gives you a lot of different directions that they can to- they can uh, travel in. Yeah, I mean, I did not get the sense that he's going to be, you know, secretly working for the Evil Corporation and turning in the hackers. I mean... The spirit of the show definitely seems to be, you know, anti-authority and anti-authoritarian and anti-corporate. So if at the end of the day it turns out he's, you know, a double agent or a triple agent working for the man, I feel like a lot of viewers would uh, might feel betrayed. Um, but I agree with you, and I'm 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 psyched to see where where they take it um i've been on to rami malik uh for the past few years just from appearances he's made on some other shows i think he's really dope and um i'm definitely looking forward to the this season of mr robot 
Um, another show that premiered tonight that I didn't get a chance to see, and I don't think you did either, was Humans on AMC, but that appears to be uh, some kind of cyborg-type show, and I'll probably check it out throughout the week. If anyone watched it, let, let us know uh, what, what you thought. Um, and uh, Sense8 is something we've been talking about, but we never... Uh, actually talked about it so uh it's been it's been on netflix for you know about three weeks now maybe a month so i feel like people have gotten a chance to watch it i know you watched it i watched it um what what did you think i thought it was good um it's a character driven story and so it it really moves slowly you know uh in terms of the actual plot and their dealings with the central antagonist of the, the the series, but so being so character driven works for the show, but it's also to, it, to me it was a detriment. You know what I mean? Because I found the episodes kind of sluggish. Because yeah. if, you, if they were dealing with characters you had less of an interest in, then you know I I, I kind of was watching to get through the episodes so I could get to the next episode and kind of maybe get back to more of a focus on the characters I had more of an interest in. But um, the conceit of Sense Eight is basically that. Eight individuals are born with a telepathic bond, and so they're able to sense and feel and experience um, the things that their other the other people in there what do they call it a pod or a sector I forget the name. I th- it might have been pod, and the the analogy they use in the show is that these people are like a school of fish or a flock of birds. They were all born at the exact same second on the same day. Um, and it's implied that they're not human. I mean, that there's something other than human, at least in the sense of like mutants on the X-Men or something other than human. Um, yeah, I, I actually thought that it was, uh, in, in, in most ways, pretty much the most successful thing that the Wachowskis have done. Their concepts are usually really interesting, and the execution is anywhere from... Fails, miserably. Yeah, bad to to, to horrific. Um, This one, because they had the time, and they sort of focused on the characters, and they weren't limited by, like, even a three-hour movie running time, I thought they were able to really get um, their concepts across... Which are the concepts that they, uh, you know, are in a lot of their movies, um, you know, well, about you identity and gender in. and race and, well, what? Yeah. Factor in. Factor in. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski. He's right. the creator of Babylon 5. Um, yep. He had a, a long run on the Amazing Sp- Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yep. Um, so, you know, he's, I, he, I guess it's his idea, or him and the Wachowskis working together on this. So I think that kind of really helped give it more of a, um, a solid foundation than just something the Wachowskis cooked up themselves. Right. But Although it has think- so much in common with uh, a lot of people have compared it to Cloud Atlas, which was a relatively unsuccessful movie, although I heard the book is really, really dope. Um, although I thought the movie was interesting, but I thought, you know, it, it kind of fell down in a lot of parts. Um, and they actually co-directed that with Tom Twiker, who directed Run, Lola, Run, and some other um, indie movies. And he, he all the episodes of sense are either directed by the Wachowskis or Tom Twiker. 
Now, I definitely agree with you. There's some characters that you like a lot more than others, and I feel like most people were probably drawn to, at least I was, the South Korean kickboxing um, businesswoman and Van Damme, the uh, cab driver, I mean, the, the bus driver, um, and uh, who, who basically interacts with, with the, the kickboxer psychically the most in, in, in the beginning. I mean, would you say those are your favorite characters or? Um, I liked, I liked I like, most of the, most of them, except for like Leto kind of, they played him for comedy for most of right. the series. So the tone of the Lido stuff was problematic. I, I agree. Yes. It was, and when I say problematic, I'm not even saying politically. It just felt like it was in a completely different movie than all the others. The other ones, the tones meshed more, and the Lido one, there was like some broad comedy that felt mm-hmm. like I was watching, you know, something out of the 1960s. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was overly comedic, overly sexualized. Overly yeah. romanticized. Um, it just seemed to be reaching, you know. And yeah. Whereas, like, I enjoyed Wolfgang. Um, I thought uh, uh, Cephas, uh, Cephas, or, or oh goodness, I'm messing up the guy's name. The African guy. Um, but his, right, his Von story Dom. was really yeah, compelling. Yeah, yeah. Von yeah, Dom. Yeah, we'll stick, yeah. Yeah, we'll stick with Von Dom instead of the actual name of the character. Right. Yeah. Uh, his Kala, nickname. Her story was interesting and how she interconnected with Wolfgang. Uh, yeah. Central character Will. Um, his stuff was good. I thought that the, the DJ, her stuff was, eh, like it started off kind of compelling and interesting with the drug dealers or the drug deal gone bad. And then she kind of was meandering for a couple of episodes and then they kind of pulled her back in toward the end of the of the series. But, right. Um, See, I, I towards the end of the season, there was an episode that really focused on her that that episode kind of lost me, although it gave a lot of background. Like her mother was one of these like sensate. She was in a, in a different pod. And so might her father have been. It, it wasn't clear. Um, and I saw it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, her like origin episode kind of took me out of the show a little bit, and and I agree with you. I thought her storyline was was a little more compelling in the beginning. Um, the activist and her girlfriend storyline I thought was really compelling, um, and that actress yeah, w- was on Hung. Um, if anyone watched um, Hung um, on I HBO the, uh, a few years okay, back, yeah, I remember her from Hung. But yeah, yeah I, I want to say in Sense Eight, she was also she was like transgender. Yeah. As well. Yes. Okay. So in case people kind of missed that, because they kind of you know they laced that in there in a real subtle way. Um, right. But the thing, the other thing that that really kind of stands out about Sense Eight is that it was so character focused and so plot minimal. Because um, if you really think about it, like what was the series about? You know, from the episode one to thirteen. And you really don't know. I mean, there w- because they had so many character stories going on, and it, um, it was very well, character I, driven. You know what I mean? I thought it was sort of like the first season of Lost. If you think back to Lost, very little happens actually in the first season. You know, they make the raft, it burns, they make it again, they discover the others, but in general, not much happens because they're focusing on the character development. And this was like that. Like, they introduced the characters. They introduced them all sort of learning about their quote-unquote powers. You got their situations, like their life stories. 
And they've now all sort of interacted with each other. There's a weird sex scene in one episode where they all sort of have sex with each other mentally. Um, so they the, the first season was really about them, like, getting to know each other. And they haven't even met physically. I think they've only spoken and communicated, like, astrally or psychically or telepathically, however you want to put it. Yeah, except for um, the two, Will and um, the DJ. Right. Okay. The so they yes, met. they're the only two that I've met. So that, that to me that big, the whole the series just begged the question of what was the point of Mister Whispers? Like, what was he really trying to do? Well, he's out to there's a, so that's the there's a corporation and the corporation is trying you know sort of like the corporation that's trying to dissect ET or the corporation after the clones in Orphan Black like there's always some kind of corporation and the corporation is trying to control the superpowered people and so they're doing experiments on them. I mean, there was something like that in Heroes. You know, it seems like the most common trope out of everything is, uh, and so Mr. Whispers is like the, you know, Darth Vader, you know, the, 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 you know, muscle of that, the psychic muscle of that corporation. And, you know, such as it is the, the actor Naveen Andrews, uh, who played Saeed on Lost, he's basically like the Morpheus, you know, you know, getting, getting, uh, you know, giving people the audience and the characters the information that they need to fight the evil corporation, like Mister Robot. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Sense Eight was successful, but I just think that because it, there was no real kind of clear plot focus, it, I mean, it gives it a real world feel. You know, things just kind of happen, but. Um, it also just kind of made it seem like it was kind of meandering along. You know, you didn't really know where it was going. So if you weren't invested in those characters and their stories to really kind of see them through to the end, you know, and see what different events happen, um, I think I could see Sensei really kind of losing people. But, eh. I, I mean, I also it. thought another thing they did was smart was by making these international characters and shooting in all these different countries, like... You know, it was visually very sumptuous. I mean, they definitely yeah, they were shooting shoot all over the world. And it was, you know, the the scenery and the settings, uh, you know, like there was almost like a travelogue element to it. And that that was dope. I mean, I, I never, I mean, it definitely kept me wanting to go on. Although I agree that, that there were some shots that were slower than others. But... That was probably the case on Lost, too. I mean, there's some characters, like, I didn't need to see how Jock, Jack got his tattoo. And any story about, like, you know, John Locke's past was really dope. You know, this is similar to that. You're going to like some characters more than others. You know, people generally like Wolverine more than they like, you know, trying to think of some, you know, thun, Thunderhawk or whatever, you know, some, uh, <laughs> what the you know. Hell? You just I don't know. The I'm, X-Men? Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, some characters are more popular than others. But um, it was like that on Heroes, you know? Like, some characters you just didn't care about and you just sat through their stories until you finally gave up on the show. Or, uh, you know, just to get to the, the stories that you do like. Um, I'm giving up but, on that X-Men analogy you just tried to make. Right. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying, like, sometimes, you know, you're more psyched about some characters than others. But, um, 
Yeah, I think that's it for uh, for this week's. Uh, oh wait, no. Nope. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Illyc's watching Ballers and checking that out. Um, so what? Uh, what? What? What did you think so far? Is the second episode? Uh, you know, backed you up because I know you definitely were uh, were were big into it last week after the pilot. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm all in. Um, oh okay. I- I think this is one of the smartest vehicles that The Rock could have chosen to really show that he can act. You know, he's really kind of given his character, given him a chance to kind of embody more than just the big muscle head or the um, guy who spouts one-liners, you know? Right. Um, so we get more into how Spencer's trying to close his deals and kind of deal with the fallout from um, a mistake. Well, a mistake he, he intentionally made in the first episode where he loaned an athlete $300,000. Um, without really signing him to a contract. So that's what this second episode deals with, and you kind of learn more about um, how Spencer goes about his business and really get an idea for who his nemesis is going to be um, in the form of this guy Reggie uh, later in the series. But I recommend, you know, if you really want a good laugh with a slight dramatic uh, overtones, then Ballers is worth checking out. Another series I would recommend that's back on FX is Tyrant. Uh, it's about right i i've actually i have been watching tyrant um i had mixed feelings about the first season i've seen the first two episodes of this season i still have mixed i mean but i agree with you i mean i think it's an interesting show um what's your 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 uh your quick one-liner on on tyrant tyrant is is watchable for certain things that have happened you know i got hooked into it actually because uh it was recommended to me by my mother she really likes Tyrant. And so I watched the first season. Um, eh, it was it was good enough, I guess. You know, it's kind of, I would give a, a hesitant recommendation to watch it. I have, I've only seen a part of the first episode, so I really want to check out the first four and get caught up and see what's been going on. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's an interesting, so it's, uh, a son of uh, a dictator in the Middle East who came to America to go to medical school and then stayed and married, uh, you know, blonde American woman, had American kids and never went back home, goes back home uh, when his father dies and his brother is taking over and they have a weird relationship and he sort of gets sucked back into the family politics. There's some analogies with the godfather with where he's sort of a michael corleone figure to a certain degree where he's you know supposed to be the one who goes straight but gets drawn into everything and then turns out to be good at it um and the relationship with the brothers is dope um yeah i i I think it's an interesting show as well um there's been some missed opportunities and some stuff that just feels very tv but in general there isn't really anything like it on tv um and if you're at all you know they obviously with you know geopolitical global politics being what they are there's a lot to uh you know there's a lot of red meat from the news that they can throw in there um so yeah, I'm I'm also watching Tyrant. That's uh, there's probably other fan bros out there watching. Let us know. What else are you watching? Uh, I'm waiting for a Leave Schreiber's show to come back on Showtime. Oh, Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan is the show. I've enjoyed it the first two seasons, so I'm anxiously awaiting this third one to come up. 
Yeah, I actually, when is that coming on? Because I think I know someone who works on that show, and maybe they might be someone that we should have on the show, on the regular show, before it comes on, uh, just as a quick, you know, I, I don't know, that's probably coming on in the next, uh, you know, yeah, next June, July, weeks. July or August, yeah, July. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Um, yeah, I haven't watched Ballers yet. I was disappointed by the pilot of the Asif Manvi, Jack Black, Tim, uh, you know, uh, Tim Susan Sarandon. The yeah, the, I, I was disappointed with the pilot of The Brink. I might keep checking that out, but I'm definitely, I've got both episodes of Ballers in the DVR, and so I'm definitely going to check the check those out. Um, I mean, if anything, I, I was, you know... Uh, victim of the you know this just looks like another entourage but um i'm definitely gonna 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 check it out and i like the rock a lot yeah so you'll enjoy it um it's not what you think you know and that's that's what kind of is gonna you'll take away from it probably more than anything else right all right well that's it for this week uh special delivery shout out uh to illyc for joining us um Visit fanbros.com, subscribe to us on iTunes, check us out on SoundCloud, uh, shout us out on Twitter at Fanbros Show. Um, and uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Any last words, Illa? Peace. Peace. Fanbros, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.